Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today we're continuing our compassion series by talking about equanimity in compassion. Now, that's kind of an unusual word, and we'll talk about what it means, but I want to start with a question. Do you see yourself as someone who stays calm in tense, difficult, even chaotic situations, or do you kind of lose it? Do you freak out and just make everything like, ah, tense and more worse, and just like you just can't get yourself calm? Or maybe you are kind of calm on the outside, but the inside of you is still freaking out. Or do you have ways to actually calm yourself in the middle of difficult situations? Really, that's what equanimity is. It's the ability to calm yourself in difficult situations. It's one of the words that I have on my list of words that I had to look up taking a Harvard class. I didn't know what it meant, but now I do. And it's a really useful word. The ability to be calm in a chaotic, difficult, tense situation. So how do we go about doing that? How do we stay calm in tough situations? The first thing we need to understand before we can begin to stay calm in a tough situation is we have to understand how our body is actually reacting in the moment. What's happening inside of our body that's causing these big emotions, that's causing us to want to freak out. I like to think of our stress responses in our body as kind of a set of dominoes. Anything can trigger the first domino and it sets off a chain reaction in our body to get stressed out, to freak out. So I can be walking along a path, something rustles in the bushes, it might be a bunny, but I don't know that. And so my body just freaks out without my permission. It just happens. I can be giving a talk like I was on Sunday to a group of people and I caught the eye of someone who I knew didn't want to be there. And I had this little momentary freak out. My body reacted. I could feel myself go. And at the same time, because I've practiced this for a while, I just kept going. I knew that it would resolve itself. And I just looked at somebody else instead as I continued giving my talk. So our body gets triggered by the first domino and then it sets off this chain reaction of a stress response. Our nerves send signals to our organs, which release stress hormones, which then begin circulating all throughout our bloodstream and affecting our heart and our muscles and all different parts of our body. It also sends out more signals through the bloodstream itself. And so this process is going to take a few minutes. So understanding how the body works, where a stress system sets the first domino and then all these hormones start flowing through our body and to kind of get us revved up and to get our heart racing and to get us moving. The other part we need to know about this body response is that once it hits a certain level, it automatically turns itself off. The hypothalamus that kind of regulates everything, first of all, starts the process running, but also it stops. There's only so many dominoes that are going to tip over in any one change reaction. It's automatically going to calm itself. So when I know that, I can actually watch that little stress response happen in my body in that moment of giving that talk, but I can also know that it's going to calm itself down automatically as long as I don't add to it, 
by my own reactions, by my own overreactions, by my own thoughts. And so that's what we're going to learn for just a minute is how do we stay calm in the middle of things, even though our body has been triggered and is having a stress response, that's okay. We can still find ways to calm our body, to calm our mind, and to stay calm in our actions and in our behavior in that situation. I want to ask one more question before we go into how we stay calm, which is why would we bother? Who cares if we're calm in a tough situation? Well, most people recognize that if you're in a tough situation, somebody is hurting, somebody's suffering, something has happened, and you probably want to do something about it. You have compassion for someone else and you want to reach out and help, or something has happened to you and you want to have self-compassion and you want to help yourself. And so the best way to actually find the best strategies for helping is to be calm. If we're not calm, our prefrontal cortex, the front of our brain that does all of the thinking and planning and and coming up with these ideas, isn't engaged. It can't engage until the rest of our brain calms down. So we need to find a way to be calm so that we can do something about the situation. And at the very least, not make it worse. If we're going to stay calm on the outside, that means that we need to figure out how to stay calm on the inside. And that means getting in touch with our inner world. Our inner world drives our outer world. What's going on inside of us drives the kinds of reactions that we have and what we do and what we say. Some people don't like going into their inner world. I've had friends say, yeah, inner, I'm not going there. I just don't even think about that kind of stuff. They think it's going to be like therapy where it's going to be this deep dive into your childhood and to why things are happening and how you can change your whole inner world. We're not doing that. What we're really doing is we're just sort of opening the door and coming into the living room of our inner world. And we're just going to sit there for a minute and become a little bit familiar with it and see who's there. The key to staying calm is to accept whatever you find in that little living room. And there's a few different strategies for how to do that. So let's talk about some of the strategies. The first strategy is the idea of loving kindness or friendliness or affiliation where when you greet something inside of yourself, you just do it with a sense of friendliness. You kind of learn to become friends with yourself, which means that whatever you see there, whatever kinds of thoughts or feelings or needs or wants that show up there, you just accept them. Instead of saying, I shouldn't be thinking or wanting or needing and feeling this, you just go, it is what it is, it's there, and you just let it be. Another way to encourage calm is to have a moment of mindfulness. So what is mindfulness and how would that affect our ability to be calm? Mindfulness is bringing yourself back to the present moment. Often we can get carried away with our thoughts or with our emotions and we just inhabit those thoughts and emotions. If I think that my friend doesn't like me because of this little situation that happened, I get carried away in my head thinking about all of our past conversations, imagining future conversations and what I want to say to her and how she might react and how I'm going to reply. And we get carried away in our thoughts and feelings with things that aren't even really happening right now. So mindfulness is a way of bringing us back to the actual present moment, 
which is why mindfulness always relies on something bodily, physically to pay attention to. So for example, the most classic piece of mindfulness is to pay attention to your breath. The reason that we choose the breath is because your breath is always there, right? And so if you pay attention to your breath, now you're not thinking about the past or the future. You're paying attention to this breath and this very moment. Sometimes in mindfulness, we'll talk about paying attention to the seat and feeling yourself with the, with your weight on the chair or with your feet on the floor. It's because paying attention to the sensations in your body brings you to this present moment, which then triggers a relaxation response in your body. Remember how I compared the stress response in our bodies to a set of dominoes, something triggers it. And then our body has this whole chain reaction. Well, the same thing can happen with a calming response. We can trigger our own calming response by being mindful, by taking a breath. Being mindful like that triggers a relaxation response that cascades domino after domino all through our body. So whether we get triggered to be stressed or whether we trigger our own relaxation response, each of those takes a few minutes and knowing that helps us to be able to stay calm. It's like, okay, I know my heart is racing because I just saw someone fall and I'm worried if they're hurt, but I can either add to that distress by getting all freaked out, or I can calm myself, take a big breath and just see what's going on, knowing that my racing heart is going to naturally calm itself down in a few minutes. A third way of getting in touch with our inner lives and just understanding and accepting what's there is to think of ourselves in parts. So you know how you'll say part of me wants to, and part of me doesn't, that's normal. That's really the way it is. We have a lot of different wants and needs and thoughts and feelings inside. And so each of those has a different motivation and wants something different. When we think of ourselves as multiple parts, we can get familiar with and introduce ourselves to all those parts by just asking some really simple questions. If you think about all those parts as people coming into that little living room, it's like you're greeting with them and having a conversation with each one of them. So for example, you could ask, what do I want? And as you ponder that for a minute, what do I want? And just write down all of the thoughts that come to your mind. You begin to get in touch with some of the things that you want for your own future that maybe you haven't voiced before. Maybe you haven't noticed before. Maybe that little want has been raising its hand saying, me, me, pick me, I want this, but you've been shushing it away because you're embarrassed by it. Or maybe you just haven't noticed it and don't really get in touch with your inner world of what you actually want. Another question you can ask is, what do I need? Now, it seems like wants and needs are related and, you know, needs are things you really, really need and wants are just your want. It's sort of like a grocery list. I need this, but I want that. That's not the way it is in our inner world. Wants are more like what I want for the future. Here are some things that I desire to happen. Whereas needs are more present minded. What is it that I need right now in my life? What needs do I have that I'm not getting met? What am I not paying attention to? What do I need for now? The third question that you can ask is, 
what am I thinking? What random thoughts are flowing through my head right now? And this one is really interesting. If you just spend 45 seconds jotting down all of the random sentences that keep coming through your head, regardless as if they make sense or, or what they apply to, you begin to notice that you actually do have random thoughts. They're just sentences in your brain. We don't have to get carried away by them. And so writing them down and asking yourself, what are my random thoughts right now, gets you in touch with them so that you can begin to watch them. The final thing we can ask ourselves is, what am I feeling? Now, sometimes people will say, I feel like, and then they'll have this whole big story after it. Like, I feel like you really don't like me and that you think this and that and the other and whoa, wait a second. Emotions tend to be just a single word or maybe a very short phrase. I feel blank. What's the emotion word there? And we want to get as specific as we can. Instead of just saying, you know, happy, sad, frustrated, angry, what you might want to try is imagine yourself to be a writer and how you really need to portray how this character is feeling. What is their emotion? This character is feeling what? Let's be more descriptive. When most people ask themselves these questions, what do I want? What do I need right now? What are my random thoughts going through my brain? What am I feeling right now? They begin to realize that they don't often check in with themselves and to kind of see what's in this little internal living room. Who's here? What are we wanting? What are we needing? What are we feeling? What are we thinking? The ability to check in with yourself like that and to accept whatever is there is really the bottom line of equanimity, being able to stay calm with whatever else is going on. Now we can make it worse. If we have an unwanted thought or feeling that comes into our little living room, rather than just accepting it, we can begin to struggle with it. We can invite in the police to try to kick it out. We can invite in people who are criticizing it and saying, this is terrible. You shouldn't be having this thought. We can invite in our moral judges of whether or not this is an appropriate thing to want in our lives. But what happens is our inner world gets really crowded and noisy when we do that. When we struggle with it, we're so involved with in what's happening inside of us that we don't have the equanimity and the calm to be able to see what's really happening in our worlds because we're just accepting it. Our inner world we can accept and our outer world we can accept. Accepting doesn't mean agreeing with. It doesn't mean that I like it. It just means acknowledging the reality of what is. These are the things that are happening in my inner world and these are the things that are happening in this circumstance and it's just reality. It just is what it is. There's a reason that equanimity is paired with compassion. In Buddhist thought, the two always come together. Equanimity, or being able to stay calm, keeps compassion from consuming itself, from getting carried away from the suffering that we see in ourselves and in others in the world. Compassion keeps equanimity from creating just a sense of indifference. If we're calm about everything, then maybe we actually don't even care about anything. So compassion helps us to care. Equanimity helps us to be wise and to stay calm in the face of what we're gonna do about that caring. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. 
Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.